Well, you remember what we're here for. You remember what the topic is. We're learning how to deal with stress. And we need guidance from the Holy Spirit. So we're just going to ask that he will guide what happens in this place tonight. Father, in Jesus' name, I just honor you and bless you and praise you that tonight we're not alone. We come with answers. We come alone into your presence, but we don't go away alone. We go away with answers. We go away with suggestions, ideas, ways in which we can release stress from our bodies. This is a stressful world, Lord. You walked it, and you know that. And in Jesus' name, I am so grateful that you have creative things that you can put across our pathway that will help us to keep our bodies healthy and strong and not cave in from stress. We just honor you for that. We've invited your presence, Holy Spirit. It's not just an invitation. It's a... I can't even think of the word that I want. Come. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come into this place and do your work in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. How many of you are feeling stress at the moment? Stress from the day? Not a one. Oh, a bunch. Well, we'll just take care of that. Because you can hear better when you're relaxed. Father, in Jesus' name, I take authority over all that stress, over oppression, over depression, over heaviness. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to get out of here. These are God's people. Their ears are desired to be open. They are looking for information. They are looking for pathways to deal with problems. And in Jesus' name, we declare they will hear the voice of God. We declare they will obey the voice of God. And in Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And amen. Amen. Well, how do I say this? You've heard me preach many, many times, the majority of you. This particular topic is not one that I would voluntarily have gone and chosen to teach on. Can I put it that way? The way this happened was kind of supernaturally. Um, I did not know that Pastor was considering uh, taking some time. And I was sitting in my office one day, and the Lord said, find those notes. I had taught this many years ago when we had a Sunday school class in that room. And uh, it took me a whole afternoon. I dug for these notes. I poked around looking for them, finally found them. And I said, okay, there they are. And there they sat. And one day he said, read the notes. Refresh your memory on what's in there. I spent an afternoon refreshing myself. Then we had an elders meeting and pastor told us his plan. And to my utter amazement, this was in place, prepared, ready to go, to fill in for pastor for a few weeks. It doesn't take old information, even though you studied it, and you know that you have researched it, you've done your due diligence, but you can't put life into those words. The only way life comes in there is when we take our time and sit before the Lord, and he'll bring the life back into it. Well, I've been doing my part this week, and today... Oh, he, I love the Lord and I, I appreciate so much his entrance into my life, but I do wish with all my heart that he would correct this problem 
that he would put himself on our timetable. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes he's never late, but it's almost like the last second of the last minute, and then the life came. So appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) We look at the world around us, and honestly, we want to work for the Lord. We do. And it seems like there are more places in the church than there are people where we need people to work. And there is the potential that you could do something every day of the week, half a day, all day, and still not get the job or the total job done, but you could keep real busy and you could get to the point of burning out. I have watched people do that. I got to the point of that at one time, and that's where this was birthed from. It was birthed from being at the place of burnout. And then you sit back, and then there's the opposite end of the scale. You sit over on the other side. You say, well, I'm just going to sit out for a while, and then let other people do the job. And then you find yourself before the Lord Will you use me? Will you give me something that I can do? There's no happy medium. But that's not true. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That there is no happy medium. Jesus found balance. And we're going to look at that. We're going to look at some creative things that God has, has in the scriptures that were our ways of eliminating stress that perhaps you have not heard of before. I don't know. We'll we'll just feel our way through this. But burnout, there's a, a lie from the pit of hell that says godliness is being overcommitted, pushed, grim faced, determined to plow through your uh, responsibilities and always in a hurry. That is not godliness. Godliness is not fatigue. Although we have a clip them together. The more exhausted we are, the more spiritual we are, and the more we can earn the smile of God's approval. Lies, lies, lies. Let's look at John 17 and 4. We read this a couple of weeks ago, but it's worth at least referencing again. I have read the New Testament from the first book of Matthew to the end of Revelation many times. This is the account of Jesus when he walked on the earth. I have never found one reference to Jesus being burned out or fatigued from working at a job to provide for himself while he was on the earth. Amen. Don't find any references at all. No occupation to the, uh, to the point of emotional exhaustion. However, there are multiple references to Jesus going away by himself, taking a time of retreat. That's what our pastor's doing at this moment. There are multiple references of Jesus going to take leisure time with his disciples. It's a good thing to have some friends that you can sit down and chat with, people of like mind, and share stories and tell what God has done for you. My goodness, that's the most uplifting afternoon uh, there is. Love it. Jesus, in John 17 and verse 4, This is the high priestly prayer. In verse 4 he says, I glorified thee on the earth, talking to his father. I have accomplished the work that you have given me to do. I have accomplished the work that you've given me to do. There were many sick people that he didn't heal. He didn't heal every sick person on the earth. 
There were people he could have found to do some more work, but he said, I did that which you have given me to do. There were more demon-possessed people, but he didn't count that. He didn't say, oh, I can't come to you, Father. It's not time for crucifixion and resurrection because I have all these details to take care of. He, he was motivated not by need. He was motivated by direction. And that's what we need. If we look at the need, the need will cause us to be burned out very quickly. But if we're motivated by direction, every single thing we do will be God-inspired and God-results. And I tell you what, that's the way I want to live. Isn't it the way you want to live? I want it to have impact. Well, what's the definition of difference between labor and leisure? Labor is compulsory activity, that which I must do, and I meet the needs of other people, usually an employer. Leisure is completely opposite than that. It is free activity. I do what I want to do. That's, that's a nice thing. I do what I want to do. And we liberate our minds from the immediate demands that are around us. We're looking for pathways, creative pathways, that scripture might give us a hint in how we can deal with stress. In the first book of Genesis, I found three verbs of what God was doing in the first three chapters. And I think we're going to park here for a little bit and look at each of these. First of all, he created. Then he related. There was interaction between people. And then he rested at the end of seven days. We're going to look at three, these three things and see if we can see secrets hidden somewhere in these scriptures. I'm going to read a short paragraph to you from a book uh, by Chuck Swindoll. He's talking about creation. And very honestly, I could not say this any better. It's just lovely the way it's written. And he's talking about God being a creator. God began with what was formless and void, lacking meaning, beauty, and purpose. He took time to create with his own hands. He had pictures in his mind. He saw vast expanses of land masses, deep, clear oceans, colorful vegetation, and an almost endless variety of living creatures, stars, planets, universes, all in perfect harmony. Then he created man. And anatomy and physiology is astounding. As he created, he added music and harmony, rhythm and movement. He added the full spectrum of color, sights and sounds, and he cared about every detail, like snowflakes, like butterfly wings, and like petals on pansies and bones in the body. I just thought that was so good. God had pictures in his mind, and those pictures he brought to fruition. Now, we are made in God's image. And very honestly, we are creative beings. I say that with confidence. Those of you who have been around little children, you, you can watch that creative force in them go to work. Over, take them to a mud puddle. 
Now, there's some mommies or grandmas that went mmm because they know immediately what's going to happen. They're going to make mud pies and they'll try to serve them to you. If you give them paper and crayons, there is no question that there is something internal inside of these children. They pick up the crayon and immediately they begin to create. Give them pictures, and like, like a, a, a magazine, and a big piece of poster board, and some sticker, and they'll have a collage and tell you a beautiful story. This is my house, this is my mommy, this is my puppy, and they'll walk you through. Their whole mind and their brain is involved in a creative activity. These children are you and I. We've let go, some of us, of that creative edge, but it's still there. And God created, and in the process of creation, there is not one child, even if they had a fight with their mother, if you set them down with a mud puddle, they're not worried about their mother and the fight they had with their mother. They are totally engrossed because thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. This is the key to stress release. It's what happens between these two ears. When we're creating, the only thing we're thinking about is what we are creating. Now, there are so many different ways that we could see this in, in effect. In our family, there were three girls. My sister Carlene was 13 months younger than me. My sister Michelle, five or six years younger than that. My mom was a good sport, let me tell you, because she put up with some stuff from us. We all had these theatrical juices that ran in, in, in these children. My mother would say, what are you doing today? We're bored. We don't have nothing, anything to do. So my mother would put a bee in our bonnet. She'd say, why don't you plan a play? And we'll have the neighborhood kids come over. What an idea. We spent weeks planning the play. It took about 15 minutes. <laughs> but we had to write scripts. We had to give out parts. We had to practice. We had to come up with uh, costumes. And my mom, I'll tell you, she's a good girl. On the clothesline outside, she put a big white sheet, on two sheets, so that they would open and we could open up the, the, the curtains. She popped popcorn and charged five cents per bag of popcorn. I tell you, we had the neighborhood mesmerized. And her children were engrossed in a creative process. Not worried about what was happening in the world, not worried about what was happening in finances. We didn't have abundance of money growing up, but it didn't seem to matter. We were very engrossed in creating. We had many plays at my house. Many, many, many pans of popcorn. And I remember them ever so fondly because they were so fulfilling. They were fulfilling because of that creative, what do you call it, urge? Bent. That's a, that's a better word. The creative bent that we have from the creator. Now, the key here is to use the creativity that's in us in such a way that we can be productive as adults and still be able to produce something and for while we're in this creative process, what happens between your ears is totally engrossed on your creative prob problem here, and it's not thinking about your 
finances or your health or your relationships or whatever else is stressful in your life. This is during the children years. I thought I would bring this. My sister had given me a National Geographic uh, picture of a lion. And I was very impressed with something about the lion. The lion had eyes that spoke to me. The eyes said confidence, strength, I'm peaceful. That's what I saw when I looked at the picture of the lion. I cannot tell you, I never counted, but the number of hours that I sat and studied the eyes to get them right were eyes, those hours were hours that I did not spend worrying about finances. This was during a period of time when David was laid off. And um, when he was laid off, I'll just add this. I went to the refrigerator. I was getting the kids some milk and some peanut butter and, and sandwich material. And I said to the Lord, well, that's the last milk. I guess we'll just roll up and die. <laughs> After he told us that he had been laid off, our mindset is so flaky. I tell you, it took a while. It took a while. But this was my salvation at the time. I sat with that picture, and the entire time that I was painting, it didn't, no problem that was in this realm, in this earth, entered into that space. It was my salvation. Now, this is an example, an example. We have a lady in the congregation who does different things. Her name is John Cross. She doesn't know I'm going to talk about her today. I happen to be the very happy owner of a couple of these lovely things that she makes. She has a creative ability to put together shells. I tell you, this is one of my favorites. It's just beautiful. And over here, glass beads. I sit there and I look at these things and I say, it's meticulous. It's too, it's too painstakingly meticulous. But when her mind is doing this, her mind is not on problems. There's a man in our congregation. His name is Mike McGuire. I listen to him when he sits down at the piano. He's in another world. He, he transplants himself from here to the spirit realm. And that's a creative spot for him. His fingers go up and down that keyboard. He allows himself the privilege to just slip in and sing a song, slip out of there. It's a, his way of finding a place that is away from all the problems in the world. I don't know every one of you in the, an intimate way, but I'll bet there are probably some carpenters in here who love to work with wood. You all know who Miss Ernie Bowman is, don't you? She has a different way of expressing her creativity. She can go into the kitchen and do things in the kitchen that are just absolutely amazing Amen. and very tasteful. Amen. To me, that's work. <laughs> to her, that's pleasure. It's creativity. And it flows. It just flows from her. That is a place we all need to find. I can prove to you by looking at babies that you have it. 
but it is an avenue that can be very productive and positive if you can just get into a hobby or something like that that, that you like to do. When you're there, what's between these two ears is concentrating completely on your, your creative endeavor, and it is not concentrating on your problems. Make sense? Yes. Okay. I saw Zhang take a big breath. Are you okay? <laughs> okay. Another person, Susan and her flowers. She loves flowers. She does not think about problems when she's out there. A second thing that God did is he related? When he was creating, in the first couple of chapters, he turned in the first chapter and 26th verse, and he said, let us make man in our image. He's communicating. He's relating with all three parts of the Trinity. When man was finally made, he turned to man in the 28th verse. And he said, be fruitful and multiply. And then in the second chapter, we find him walking in the cool of the evening. And he is coming to visit and have a chat with Adam and Eve. Now, this tells me something. I hear people who don't value getting together and chit-chatting and enjoying each other's company. They haven't got time for it. This kind of relationship is valuable because God looked at it and thought it was valuable. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to go visit them. He provided everything for them. All he had to do was just let them, let them be. But he scheduled his time and he showed up, walked with them in the cool of the evening, and it says they talked. He cultivated a friendship. When you're sitting there enjoying the company of somebody else, and the conversation invariably turns towards the Lord, I tell you what, when you're sitting there chatting about what God is doing and how good he is, there's nothing like it. It's like having the best steak on earth. It's like coming away with the ta every taste bud in your spirit is satisfied because we've been talking about God. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. God saw value in doing that. He personally got involved. How are we doing on time? We're doing real good. On the seventh day of creation, the Bible tells us God blessed and sanctified that day, and he rested, he rested, he rested from all his work which God had created and made. He must have found value in rest. Not permanent rest, just a rest. Now, scientists try to put all the parameters on the rest. And when it comes to night rest, they say you should have a good night's rest on a regular basis. That gives you lots of leeway. So if you don't sleep one night or two nights in a row, the third night, you're doing it on a regular basis, okay? They suggest a full day's rest at least once a week. That's right in line with the scriptures. If God rested a day, then it is appropriate that we rest a day. Rest itself will not solve this thing, this mind up here. 
Rest will help the body. It will keep the body functioning better. But you've got to deal with what's here. If it's only on the rest day that you get to your creative project, go to your creative project every Saturday or whatever it happens to be. <clears throat> Many of you know Dr. Glenn Rice. When he was alive, he had an absolute gift from God to be able to know when you said this hurts, he knew right where to touch, what to move, what to readjust. That's a God-given gift. I miss that man a lot. One day I was at his office and I asked him a question. He was in his high 70s at the time. I, I believe that was correct. And I said, you still in practice five days a week from eight to five, and, and sometimes he'd stay later for patients coming if they were coming after work. I said, how do you manage the stress? How do you manage? What do you do? What is your secret? And this is what he told me. He said, every mid-morning and mid-afternoon, twice a day, he would get on the inverter. For those of you who don't know what that is, it's like a table that tips so that your feet go up just a little bit above the head, and it allows the spine to, to separate and elongate, and it takes all the pressure off the spine. He lays down by the clock, 15 minutes, puts music on, and that is, was one of the ways that he found his way to continue and to deal with stress and the aging process that was taking place in his body. I was very impressed with that. He used several things. He used quiet. He would make the room dark. He got in a comfortable position. He put his feet up. He listened to music. He did many more things than one. He grouped them all together. And it brought longevity and it brought productivity. We need to release the stress. Music will do it. Meditation will do it. If you meditate on something valuable, if you meditate on your problem, you are going to be worse when you finish. Exercise will do it. Not my favorite one. But there is such value to laughter. Oh, my goodness. Have you ever noticed, like, when you, at least this has happened to me, when families get together and we start looking at old pictures and things like this and telling stories on one another and remembering how we got on each other's nerves growing up, the laughter is incredible. It's a good thing. Do we need to rest? Well, according to God, in Psalm 46.10, you all know this scripture verse, it says, Be still and know that I'm God. He says, Be still. Children have energy plus plus. When we say to a child, be still, usually what we're doing is confining the body to a little space instead of running all over the house. When God speaks to us, most of what we're doing is not this, it's this. We can have, be rehearsing all kinds of things in our head. If you want to know God, you're going to have to be still before him. Be still. Get this mind at peace. Get this mind at rest. And then come before the Lord. And you'll begin to know him. He'll reveal himself to you. Okay. Hebrews chapter 3. 
and chapter 4. Talks about God's rest. God has a rest for his people. I don't want to go into a deep, deep uh, discussion on this, but there are some points we need to make. He talks about two things that keep us from entering into God's rest. To cease from coping with our problems in our own strength. Do you know that is probably the main reason why we fuss and fume over things in our head? It's because we try to solve them on our own. We don't acknowledge God in all our ways, and we have to try to solve those problems on our own. Biggest indicator of that is when our mouth says, I've given it to God. And the next five minutes, all we can think about is what is plan B if God doesn't come through. You're laughing because you've been there. Just We've all been there. How's God going to do it? And we try to orchestrate what's going on. The two things that this scripture talks about that keep us from entering into God's rest Number one is disobedience. When God touches your heart and he tells you you've been disobedient, don't argue. It's not worth it. You'll never win. If you're disobedient, God is not a punisher. Your sin has been taken care of. He says, agree with me. Agree with me. I did it. I blew it again. And claim your forgiveness that's already been given to you and walk on. And then there's unbelief. Another word for that is called doubt. We learned a scripture the very first week we were looking at this. Can anybody tell me what it was? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Unbelief comes when we don't acknowledge God in all our ways, when we don't trust him, but we try to do it ourselves. We want God's rest on one hand, and we're doing it all on ourselves on the other hand. You've got to make up your mind which way you're going to go. And I want to go the peaceful way. In the fourth chapter of Hebrews, in the second verse, it says the word that they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith by those who heard it. I don't want to be one of those people who sits in church and walks out of church and it never registers because I have no faith to make it come alive. I pray when I study my Bible. I pray when I read my Bible that the Holy Ghost will be on the inside and put fire behind it and cause faith to rise so that I can believe what God has told me. In verse 3 it says, We who believe enter the rest. That is one of the keys to the rest of God. Believe God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. The ninth verse in chapter 4 says, There remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his own works, trying to do it himself, as God did from his. The key to God's rest is stop trying to figure it out for yourself. Stop trying to make it happen yourself. But trust. It's that walking over to the wall and learning to lean. Just lean on the Lord. 
probably one of the hardest things to do. Now, creative things that God will help you with stress that the world in general doesn't even know about. Last time I went to Dallas, I was uh, coming back from the minister's convention at uh, Kenneth Copeland's property. And I saw a sign, not a terribly big sign, on the side of the road. And it's, I can't remember the name, but I'm going to use Bubba. Because it was, it was close to that. It said Bubba's Barbecue, like 20 miles down the road. They really did good advertising. And in a mile, the sign seemed a hair bigger, and it said, Bubba's Barbecue, 19 miles. And another mile, Bubba's Barbecue, 18 miles. Da da, da da, for 20 miles. The sign kept getting bigger and bigger. And when we arrived at Bubba's Barbecue, there was a humongous red arrow flashing, boom, 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 like this, with an arrow pointing down to a chicken coop type building. And there were more cars than you can imagine that were there. I looked at that. Now, if I could show you in the Bible, where God himself put an arrow, and he said to you, this is rest. This is repose. Would you believe it? Okay. Now, you know what rest is. Let me describe repose so that we make the impact. I lived... On, uh, in grade school, the top of a very high hill. It, w- it was kind of midway up the hill. And then I, I lived right on the corner. And then there was a jog in the road, and it went up higher to Fairview Road. And it was several miles up Fairview Road. The last house belonged to a friend of mine, And I tell you, every time I went to her house, it was like climbing Mount Everest. At least that's what it felt like to me. It was one of the highest mountains. They call it a hill. Felt like a mountain to me. This was a very hot day. She invited me to come up. She said, "I, I want you to come up. She said, I need help doing the lawn. I did it. He's laughing because I don't do lawns. <laughs> but I, did, I was young and didn't know any better. I went up and, I, and we did the lawn. I had to walk up that mountain. It was about three miles straight up. She lived at the top of that mountain. There were times when we had a good snowstorm or a good ice storm. Those people didn't get home. They had, to, they had to go someplace else. They couldn't get up Norwood Street and then get up Highview. There's just no way. So I, anyway, I went to her house, and it was a summer's day, warm, not oppressive, but warm. And physical activity makes you much warmer. So we cut the grass with push mowers. And then my friend said to me, Come on over here. Now the fun starts. And I looked, and there were two hammocks side by side and a table in between and two glasses with lots of ice and fresh-made lemonade. I said, this is living. (laughs) I sat down in that hammock, and it was so comfortable. And then we started to cool off just a little bit from the drinks. You know, the, the temperature went up, and it was just... So enjoyable. Everything was right. Temperature was right. The company was right. The comfort was right. That's repose. Okay? Open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 28. 
And I want you to look for the finger of the Lord because in my Bible, I have an arrow from top margin, big black arrow pointing down, and it says in verse 11 of chapter 28, Indeed, he, God, will speak to this people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. What are you talking about? We're talking about tongues. He who said to them, here is rest. You see the finger of God? It's pointing. This is where rest comes from. This is a place that the medical community doesn't have much information on. Here is rest. Give rest to the weary. And here is repose. There's the finger. But they would not listen. Oh my God, that's the saddest thing in the world. God Almighty has provided for his children the ability for your spirit man to pray, to bring you to a place of rest and repose. I tell you what, I don't want to be the person who didn't listen. Many, more times than I, I can even begin to number, times when I was <clears throat> fatigued, times when I was tired of problems, just weary with problems, weary with sick kids, you know, problems that, that come up within a family. I stumbled across this before I found it in the scriptures. I stumbled across it shortly after I had been filled with the Holy Ghost. I had been speaking in tongues, oh, probably maybe six months, something like that. And had a sick child in the house. When the child doesn't sleep, mama doesn't sleep. You remember those things. And I remember being by Scott's bedside. And I was trying to get comfortable. It didn't seem appropriate to crawl in bed with a sick kid. The vomit bucket was too close. <laughs> you know, so I was sitting there very weary, very tired. And I was tasking the Lord. I said, I need something from you. And I began to pray in tongues. And I was astounded at the energy that came and the strength that came in a very short period of time. It was after that that I found this verse. He will speak to his people through stammering lips and a foreign tongue. He who said to them, here is rest. Give rest to the weary. That is the desire of God, to give rest to the weary. Here is repose. But they would not listen. I'm here today to put a red arrow to one of the gifts of God that's been given to you as a place to deal with weariness, as a place to deal with stress. Use that God-given gift. Now, medical science has curiosity about this, but I found an article that is worth referencing here. This was done, what I want to tell you about, was done at the University of Pennsylvania. I'm coming. It was done at the University of Pennsylvania by a physician, female, and she brought from some of her friends, she's a believer and spoke in tongues, 
And she wanted to find out what the brain scan looked like in a person who talked with regular words, comparing that with a person who talked in tongues, what would the brain scan look the same? Would it look different? What would it look like if they were laughing hysterically with joy of the Holy Ghost? And what would it look like if they were singing a gospel song? So that was what they headed out to try to do. They found out that the language center of the brain, if we are talking English, my known language, it uh, stimulates neurons in one particular place in the brain. That's called the language center of the brain. That completely shuts down when you speak in tongues. And another place lights up. That's real interesting, because this is not just jibber-jabber. This is not just sounds that are made. There's another whole area of the brain that lights up when we speak in tongues. We found out from this scientist lady, she brought some of the most responsible, stable, emotionally stable women that were in her congregation. And they took their time and they had them do these four things. Talk normally, speak in tongues, laugh in the Holy Ghost, and sing a gospel song. This is what they found. Doing any one of the three things, tongues, Laughter, or what's the third one I said? Oh, gospel song. Every gland in the body appeared to be stimulated. Everything from the pituitary in the brain, thyroid, pancreas, adrenal, endocrine glands, all of them appeared to be stimulated. The immune system was stimulated. The autonomic nervous system was stimulated. That is all the things that happen automatically in the body without you making them happen. This is not autonomic. Breathing is autonomic. Heart rate is autonomic. Okay? It happens. You don't have to think about it. You don't tell your heart, bump, pump, pump, pump. It does it all by itself. Brain hormones were secreted. Endorphins, which are painkillers, and encephalons, which are mood elevators, are more than 200 times more powerful than morphine. You get a shot of life when you pray in tongues. Now, their conclusion was, this is the same basic effect that comes after sustained running. You know how they say they get to their second wind and they feel so wonderful they have no pain? Well, that same response they found came from praying in tongues. I'll tell you what, I'll pray in tongues any day, not have to run. (laughs) It came from laughter in the Holy Ghost. And it came from singing a gospel song. So when you're doing your laundry and you're doing your dishes, I've had a song in my heart the last couple of days, and I've just blurted it out many times, and I thought to myself, here comes a shot of morphine! (laughs) Because I'd been rehearsing this stuff. But I thought that was so interesting. God has provided for you, because you're a believer, more than the world, more than the world. The world has its pathways, but God said, these are my kids, and I'm giving them a special pathway. I think it's very appropriate that we just 
look and what did God do? We looked at Genesis, and the first thing he did was to create. Creation allows me to focus my brain on what I am creating. How blessed it would be to have a job where they paid you to do something creative. Wouldn't that be something else? But this is the thing that has to be controlled, and creativity will do it. It'll do it. The next thing we saw was related. God related with the Adam and Eve. He thought it was valuable. He spent his time. He orchestrated his time so he could be there to walk with them and to talk with them. And wouldn't you like to have done that with God? Just ask him questions and just have a friendship relationship. But God thought it was valuable. I think it's valuable too. Then he rested. One thing we have to do, we've got to get enough rest. And the older I get, the more I'm impressed of the Lord not to slough off in that area. Do what we can do to make the environment conducive to rest. Take the hours that, that you need for rest. Put your feet up in the day. Don't feel bad. Even if you have company, pull the ottoman up and put your feet up and it's okay. It's okay. These are stress busters that God did. I can do them too. God gave me a special one. He gave me tongues. Now I want you to leave this place and my desire is for you to on the way home tonight just let loose and just pray in tongues for a while. And by the time you get home, you should be relaxed. You should be refreshed, in repose, comfortable. And I pray you have a fantastic night's sleep. Is Debbie in here? We'll go ahead and dismiss then. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray over the word that's been given. I thank you there are some things that you have put in the earth that you have focused in on tonight that help us to deal with our stress, to deal with our problems and our weariness. I am so grateful for them, Lord. We honor you and bless you and praise your name. And I ask you for a special blessing to rest upon these people. In Jesus' name, they have come aside. They have come with purpose to gain information, to be with you. And I thank you that you've met their need in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you need ministry, if you have somebody that, that you want to pray with you about something, please feel free to come forward. We'll have some prayer partners up here. And have a good week. God bless you. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You are living hope. Your presence. Tasted and see of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free.